of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. We join together. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Often hear this one, you know, when things are going hard and there's a lot of temptation, well, boy, the Lord must have more faith in me than I do because of all the temptations. That might be an application of it, but I was looking at this as no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. So what is temptation? It's simple. It is common to man. How many of you are tempted? Now, the temptation is to evil. I mean, we're, there's temptations from within, from the world to tempt us, the devil, all of them are here. So temptation is common. It's everywhere because, and who even was tempted? Jesus was. Now, unlike you and me, Jesus didn't succumb to the temptation. However, for us, temptation is something that uh, we fall into. And we see this in our own flesh as we see it in our relationship with our loved ones. That's probably about the most clear because especially those who are married, your spouses see your weaknesses most clearly. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's kind of, what are we talking about, Pastor? <laughs> yeah. Um, our spouses know our, and parents know their children's weaknesses and sins most clearly. And we see that in the world. Uh, and uh, we see the pride that's out in the world. We see the arrogance that's in the world. It's common to man. And in contrast to that temptation which is common to man, this temptation to which we succumb, what's the contrast in Paul's words? God is faithful. Even though we sin, we succumb to temptation. God is faithful. We think of the prodigal son. 
An image of the father who faithfully waited for his son to return to him. Who was sitting there longing and waiting and willing to extend that forgiveness to him. So in the midst of our temptation, God is faithful. He is an anchor. Um, how many of you have ever been out in a boat and it kind of gets rocky and you have to drop an anchor so you don't kind of drift all over the place? You know, it can get kind of weird, you know, and you're kind of floating. And yet here God is that anchor for us that keeps us in place, that brings us back to his son and uh, his righteousness. And it says, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Now, we might, uh, I think the next phrase is what really clarifies this one. But with the temptation... There will be temptation. We'll make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And I think this is what, there's a little, the way of escape. Where is that escape? In Christ. The cross of Jesus Christ. That is the, he has provided Jesus as the way of escape. He's, for in the faithfulness of God, we see the forgiveness of sins for those who have succumbed uh, to temptation. And, um, and so where, there's where we look, uh, that we may be to bear it, because the temptations wear us down. The devil's not going to let up. To the day you close your eyes on this world and take your last breath, the devil is there. The world is all around us. And in these days that we've been struggling through the last few months, there is great anxiety amongst the people. Great anxiety. And people, and, uh, and I'm, uh, children against parents, husbands and wife having different opinions and all these things. And the struggle is there. And uh, we see it and we're tempted to despair, to be angry. Made to despair and be angry. I mean, all there. All those emotions are there. And yet, it's the cross of Christ that, that is our escape. That we bury ourselves into Jesus as we've been buried into him in our baptism. And so, this is the way of escape. So, um, oh, I'll go. God won't allow me to be tempted beyond what you're able. Okay, I'll go to a strip club. Uh, excuse me, I'm putting myself in to sin, that's not what it's talking about, saying, well, I can go into any sinful situation and God will protect me. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about going about your daily life and having the temptations of, uh, with children, with neighbors, and the like, that as we go on, that this escape is in Christ. So don't put yourself into ways of, of temptation, which many people think uh, they can handle. Any questions on this text from St. Paul? Sir Wally, or Lord Wallace. Is it Lord Wallace? I think it's Lord Wallace. Okay, yes, Lord Wallace. I, I want to make sure I give the proper uh, accreditation. Well, um, is, is, is temptation built into the I'm going I'm to defer to my compatriot here. <laughs> if you have a... Temptation is, is, is not sin itself because... Christ himself endured it, but did not give in to it. Succumb to it. So, I guess if we're going to place Christ or God's 
We bear the name of Christ. And to be unfaithful to that name and his faithfulness to us. And when we sin, we are saying, I forgive you, God. And we're going to do our own thing. Mm -hmm. and, and that's where, where we replace him with our many idols and, and the like. Mm -hmm. that, that, that's the temptation that we are always faced with. And our flesh gives into it very quickly. And the way of escape is not to give up, but always to return in repentance and faith. Mm -hmm. um, the one who is able to make us able, the one who rests in us, uh, is the one. I mean, that, the, the ability is, I mean, really, God does actually present us with opportunities to be overcome, to be, not be able, in and of ourselves, to endure. Suffering. I mean, I mean, disease. Mm -hmm. We are brought to death, and that it, it ends up being Christ in us that is, it's the, the new man is able in Christ. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, a return to him, falling on his mercy and grace. Yeah. Uh, that endures it. So yeah, temptation is not uh, giving in to temptation, but yeah. Yeah. So yeah, temptation is temptation. I mean, there are things that you know. I'm, I'm just just earthly sense, just totally earthly. You know, I'm tempted to you know eat a lot of ice cream because I like it, and with a little few extra added things, it, it's really good. But you know, I can say, okay, I'm not going to do that. Well, that's you know, that's an earthly sense, you know. But we might be able to. Say no to, you know, I'm not going to eat that extra helping of food, uh, things like that. But here, uh, the temptation here that is the temptation to unbelief that, that's out in the world, that we would trust in the things of this world um, as we uh, see. And I think this is the, the basis for all the strife we're seeing right now in our world, in our nation, is that everybody's resting their hopes and aspirations on this world. They want to have a utopian society because this is all it is to them. There is no Christ. There is no life after death with God in heaven. So that, I think, so the temptation that you're speaking about is temptation to unbelief, not just merely a temptation to choose something that may not be good for you or whatever, but it, in a sense, physical sense, but that un, to temptation to unbelief. Philip, you have a comment, question? Well, yeah, I mean, a bit part. I mean, it's, it's included. Well, but the coveting, the base of the coveting is, this is something that will give me joy and satisfaction and and all and um, to uh, uh, and so yeah, the coveting is is part of is in the nature of sin. You know that, uh, but that's that's from within. Okay. Not necessarily that we're talking about temptation to unbelief or other things. Like okay. So we have any other comments or questions about this text that we have? Well, you kind of your hands going back and forth like you're not sure. So for, for the one who is in Christ, temptation becomes an opportunity for faithfulness. 
so the way of escape is to return. So as you see Christ in his life, and he's tempted by a serpent in the wilderness, he, uh, we have, I believe, Hebrews where uh, in every way Christ was tempted like us, but mm -hmm. was without sin. Uh, because in those opportunities, he returned to the word of God. So it's, the, the temptation isn't the sin. It, it, right, right. It, it really is a matter of which way are you going to go. Right. And so... And the thing is, a way of escape, there is. Yeah. Always to the word. And Here. Why do you think Pastor Bender wanted to make sure we had services? Because this is the way of escape in the midst of turmoil. And I said, no matter what government officials might think, there was some research among Christians who said, yes, it's important that churches shut down in the midst of a pandemic. They're not Christians if they say that. They cannot say the church should shut down. You can't do that. You, you could be, you know, um, uh, and so you have to keep the, the word being proclaimed, opportunities for the people to be comforted. The biggest grief, uh, knowing that we have people that are in lockup, uh, incarcerated, where their pastors can't visit them, Family members can't visit them. Uh, Alex Scheller was not able to visit his father from March until a few days before his death. I think Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, I think was the first visit he had in five months. With his own father, who was already in hospice care and dying. And so, so this is in the midst of all this struggle, you know, as, a, as one who is frustrated and struggling with what's going on in the world today, this is the place of rest. This is the place where we need to be. And if you have friends that are struggling with this, tell them that there is the word of God and there's comfort. And I know we have tight services, but you know, uh, we are having people that are coming and talking to us because they want to be able to gather with family, the family of God, to hear God's word of comfort. So, um, you know, we don't want to forsake that in the midst. This is the escape. This is our escape from the it's a, it's world. A, it's a reminder that we are baptized. Yes. And I think that, that that's something that a lot of Christians struggle with throughout this, is that they forget that they're baptized, that what that means in the midst of all this, that so what, we get together and we catch this thing and we all die. So what? Even though we die, you show me. See, and this that, is... That's the reminder that we're always needing for us. And I think that's where the frustration that I've had with the world, with people, that we, there's, when you hear a politician say, there's too much death. You know, this just in regard to COVID, but there's too much death all over the place. There's cancer, there's heart attacks, there's all sorts of death in the world. We can't stop it. There's one who has stopped it. And we are children of God, and this is where uh, we have our hope and promise. And so I think this is a, how many of you want to escape the world right now? <laughs> I do. I'll be, and so, uh, uh, and we have many members that do who have, who have been put away from hearing the word who say, I want to go. I don't care if I get sick and die. I want to be in the word, you know? And, um, and I said, you know, if you're young and all that stuff, but if you're willing, you know, your desire is to be with Jesus and to be comforted. So be it. Be comforted. 
And, and, and so we're very thankful that, uh, that we have this way of escape and, and uh, we've not had that taken away from us. Uh, the psalm for the week is Psalm 88. It is not in the hymnal, uh, but I would just like to read Pastor Bender's words on it uh, so that uh, uh, as you have context for the coming week on this uh, psalm. Okay. Um, There are times in life in which even the Christian can be overwhelmed with trouble of every kind to the extent that there appears to be no help or deliverance for him. And as we said, I'll be very blunt. This is how I felt over the... I, I, I don't know. There's no way for me to go. There's no way. And so... Um, and, I'm, and, and I've been overwhelmed. Uh, when you hear about the struggles in families, I mean, it's just, it's just you're overwhelmed by the troubles of this life. Psalm 88 gives voice to such times. The psalmist declares that his soul is full of troubles. He has no strength. He feels God's wrath. I think this is where we as Christians, there are struggles in the world, but we feel it. We feel the pain uh, of that. His friends have abandoned him. He is all alone. He stands on the prophecies of death, or the precipice of death. He suffers the terrors of being cast off by God. Yet in the face of such despondency and apparent hopelessness, hopelessness, faith clings to the Lord and cries out to him for deliverance. O Lord God of my salvation, I have cried out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to me, for my soul is full of troubles. Lord, I have called daily upon you. I have stretched out my hands to you. And in the morning, my prayer comes before you. For the Christian who has ever experienced what the psalmist confesses, Psalm 88 is of great comfort. Because it not only gives voice to such despondency, but it also, but is also the proper prayer because it is given to us by God that we might wait upon him for the strength to endure and for the deliverance we need. In the end, the Lord hears our prayers and will not abandon the one who puts his hope in him. The word hope that we often see in the Psalms, the, I, I learned this from the pastor that ordained me back in 1987, and he had a Bible class. He said, the word uh, hope has the word waiting. Waiting. Now, for birthdays and Christmas, how well do your children wait? You, you have six of them. How well do they wait? Does anybody wait? Real? Caleb, do you like to wait? Does it kind of get anxious for a Christmas? Or, it, it's a, but what's the hard part is... Waiting, and that's what uh, the word behind the word hope is. Waiting, wait, hope of my deliverance. The waiting, and that's the hardest part. The waiting. When you see a loved one who's ravaged by a cancer or some other debilitating disease, you see the decline. You know they're going to be with Jesus, but you wait, and it's hard. And that's what our hope in the Lord is, that we wait on him in his time. 
I, 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 it's the hardest thing I think of. Um, a, a gentleman, I, when I was in Sharon, remember his name, Alan Meinschock. Went to visit him, and uh, he was a shut-in. He had an aortic aneurysm 15 years before I met him. He survived it. This is, Sharon, Wisconsin, is about half an hour from the nearest hospital. <laughs> and he got there and was, he survived it. And he, and he was weakened by it. And he goes, Pastor, I don't know why. Why did this happen? Why am I still waiting? You know, and, and he saw the ravages as he got older, how it affected him. Uh, well, uh, Alan uh, uh, did die during my time there. And during that ministry to him, I was at the hospital and uh, ministering to him. I would sing hymns. Uh, a nurse came in during that time and, uh, what are you doing? And they love you. Because he's on all these monitors. And you doctors love monitors. <laughs> and and they're, they're, what's on, on the monitor? And I'm singing to him. We're going through the liturgy, you know. And, well, I heard you singing, but what else did you do? I said, nothing. I said, what's wrong? He said, well, ever since you started singing, his vital signs stabilized. And they calmed down. And so, okay. Well, Alan eventually died 15 years after his aortic aneurysm. And it must have been within six months or so, I think, of his death. Susan takes a call at the parsonage, which was the church phone too and all that stuff. So that's why they called. And this little said, is this singing pastor or part, was it a priest or whatever? <laughs> Singing pastor. And he said, well, my wife, my, I said, yeah, well, he does sing. And she, and she said, yeah, he's been there. Well, as one of the nurses that was there had, um, they had a patient on the floor who was Lutheran and uh, um, was asking for a Lutheran pastor. And so she remembered I was there, and she con they found out in contact. I wasn't a chaplain there or anything like that. They just found out, and they got a hold of me, and I went up. And it was Fred who had moved up from Chicago years before to run a restaurant. He was dying, and he was so glad to have a pastor to come visit him and uh, to bring God's word to him in his final hours. So Alan had to wait 15 years, but just that little connection for Fred to hear that gospel, to be comforted in his dying days. And the thing is, Alan didn't know that. Alan never knew in this earthly world what his waiting meant. We don't know what our waiting means, how it's going to affect others and those whom we don't even know. And so I, this is where I see that word wait and hope, and I, I think this, that's one example. I said, we don't know. And that's what makes this life hard, is that we're not necessarily going to see, but we have hope that in our life and in our death, the Lord will use that for the salvation of others, even as his son came into this world to save us. So as you look at Psalm 88, uh, yes, it is, uh, it's not in, for some reason it's not in the hymnal. I, and my wife could probably tell, why is it not in the hymnal, Susan? Because it's too... It's not happy. It's not happy. <laughs> if you've kind of, they could have added like 10 pages and had all the psalm, psalmody, but they chose to eliminate the real long ones, some, some real long ones, and some of these that have, that appear, I'm going to say, appear to be downers, you know, and things, but yet, uh, and all. So, is it also, it doesn't, use, it doesn't have a liturgical use in the lectionary? Yeah, but, uh, I, mean, I know, yeah, they might say that, but still, yeah. yeah, we don't like, you know, but it's still the thing is, they could have chosen to put it in there and made, 
in all. They chose other things. But it's not in, so if you want to read it during the week, you have to pull out your Bible and, and read it and pray it. I'm going to say, I remember it. Pray the Psalms. And this is one thing here, it's one thing I, I learned about the Psalms. Um, there are three, if you look at it, there are three ways to look at a Psalm. There's the original writer. He wrote it. There's something behind this Psalm of despondency or the Psalm of uh, the sons of Korah. There's some initial event that motivated the writing of this. But also it is Jesus' prayer. Jesus prayed these Psalms. He made them his own. As he took on your sin and your guilt, and he took on the burdens of the world, this became his prayer for us. And likewise, his hope was in his Father. And finally, it's our prayer. That's how, if you look at each of the Psalms, you can see these three, how they're read three different ways. And this is, pray it, uh, you can look at this and see how it's your prayer and your hope and your salvation. Okay, any questions on Psalm notes there or anything as you look at this Psalm? Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, day that, the day that he was questioned, I was absolutely furious. Mm-hmm. And I emailed my brother and said, I'm you know, I am so emotional. Mm-hmm. Da, da, da. And he said, Have you read Psalm 38 today? <laughs> <laughs> I have been reading, I think it was 86 that would be. Mm-hmm. And I said, No, I went to Psalm 38. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Yeah. God's word always hits the nail. Yeah. I think the preview of the God's word, and I think the catechism. I, Pastor Bender's always mentioned about the catechism has an answer to everything which goes on in life. And so, yeah. But this is uh, the psalm. These are our words for us to pray that we can say our amen to. Okay. Any other questions on that? Um, let us move on to the uh, reading for the, the... We're going to look at Luke 10, Mary and Martha. And before I move on, people asking... So two things I've been getting asked a lot, and I thought, just give it one announcement. They said, how's Katie? And if some of you, Katie Fisher, that's my daughter, uh, and she's due uh, tomorrow. They're going in to uh, induce uh, for that. The, uh, compli- uh, the complications of looking for shipment. It's in the office over there. <sighs> she wants, I made the coffee this morning. Kaminsky's didn't, weren't able to come today, so they've been bringing coffee to me, and I've been leaving this for her, and, uh, and I'll. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, the baby was diagnosed in utero as hydrocephalic, but they did some serious tests, but they're um, concerned there. Also, Katie's platelet count has been very low, and so they've been watching that. So the baby, they said, stable, and Katie's kind of stable, so... That's what's going on, and she's, tomorrow uh, she's supposed to be um, moving on. The other thing is, people, some people know, but they thought I was going to be preaching today. <laughs> uh, yeah, so to Pastor Anderson until Friday. Um, I'm going to start this off. So people, Maggie is negative for the COVID virus, okay, but she goes into work on Wednesday. She got sent home because she was coughing. Do you realize sometimes a cough? It's just a cough. Isn't it a song that goes something like that? A smile is just a smile. Whatever. But not in this world. A cough is not. A cough is death. Yeah. That, that, sorry. It's, that's the irrational fear. 
Okay, so she goes to work on Thursday. She's coughing some more. You know, she has allergies. Hmm? No, that doesn't matter. <laughs> she gets sent home, and then she did have a low-grade fever, which, because of her immune situation, is not unusual for, you know, certain things like that. So we decided we'd have her tested for COVID because, well, part of that, they say their the test results are 24 to 48 hours, and they asked the household not to do anything to stay home. So I um, said, okay, Pastor Bender took the funeral. He came back. He was back, and so he could take the funeral for the shellers. He did that. And um, Pastor Anderson was available for to preach for the services. And then we got the results yesterday morning, <laughs> and she was negative and all that stuff. But um, the, so that's why, but I'm leading the Bible study, Pastor Anderson. So that's why if you're asking, like, it's kind of, this is what's going on. But it, it kind of the frustration that I have, my wife and I have with the, the world today, there, and I mentioned the sermon, irrational fear. There's so much irrational fear that it's overlooking. There's things that really need to be afraid of that we're forgetting about. And um, the thing is, she's not COVID positive, but she still has allergies which affect her. And she's got you know, um, issues there. We have to watch that because she's susceptible to pneumonia and things of that nature. So she has other things that are just as important to watch as this. And, our world is just so consumed by this that we forget, we're forgetting other things. And uh, so I think that's my uh, uh, concern that we have. And that, um, but anyway, that's why I'm uh, not preaching and conducting the liturgy. And thankfully, Pastor Anderson was able to fill in at the last moment uh, to do that. So, but anyway, Luke chapter 10. We're going to get into that with Mary and Martha. If we have time, Kathy... I might want to sing the hymn of the day, but with all stanzas, if we have time. So, <laughs> because we didn't sing stanza two because it's not the reading today uh, in the gospel. Luke chapter 10. Okay. Um, the other time we hear of Mary and Martha is in John's gospel. So um, this is where we uh, have a Luke. Just a couple... For me, when you look at a text, what happened before and what happens after is always important. It's just kind of how the gospel writer is presenting uh, this event in the life and ministry of Jesus. What event or what happened before this text? Just look in your Bible. It should be really quick to tell. The good parable of the Good Samaritan, where uh, the one who was beaten up received the ministry of the Good Samaritan. Uh, and uh, was cared for out of mercy. Then what happened after, what's the event after this? Yeah, the disciples asked for, and they received from Jesus the prayer that they can pray to his father and their father. Okay, so in the midst of this is the story of Mary and Martha. And I'll just read through it because it's a short text and we'll go back. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. 
You are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good portion, a good part, which will not be taken away from her. So, um, in this text, we have Mary who is there receiving the word of God. I think that's the, there's a connection that receiving the ministry of the Good Samaritan, receiving the ministry of the word of God, receiving God's word in the Lord's prayer. This receiving is what's moving through here in these uh, texts. So there's a little phrase, and uh, this is a connective. It ha- it, now it happened. And in chapter 11, now it came to pass. That, a phrase like that, now it happened, connects this account to what previously happened. Not necessarily in chronology, but in a thought pattern by Luke. The verses, remember, are put in there later by man. Those little titles we have were put in later you know, by men. To, so this text just moved through uh, from one to another. So it would go and do likewise. And now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village. So these connect right away. So it connects it to the preceding. And notice here it says, he entered a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha. It's a, you know, do you know where Mary and Martha lived? Bethany? Okay, that's where we find out in John's gospel they were in Bethany with, um, with their brother. Um, why didn't he just say they entered, a, entered Bethany? And a woman named Martha, that word certain, um, Luke uses it extensively. And uh, if you'll see that in Luke's gospel, a certain man a certain woman, a certain landowner, a certain, this is a certain village. It has a, it's Luke's kind of key word to reference Jewish, you know, the Israelite. It's, from what I see, it's not 100%, but generally that's what you'll see it almost always referring to is a, uh, so a, entered a Jewish or Israel uh, village, a Jewish woman, as opposed to the Syrophoenician woman. So a certain woman. So it's just a way uh, that Luke uses to describe a Jew in uh, that. And then he entered a certain, and a woman named Martha welcomed him. And it, it just means, he, uh, the word behind it is received. You know, Joshua, you came down last night to your folks. That they welcomed you, but they received you into their home, right? They didn't change the locks yet. <laughs> and bar you out, you know. So, but you receive someone into your home. You're welcoming him. So it's just uh, um, we translate it welcome. Just receiving him. She, you know, didn't have him said he came into her home, and she had a sister called Mary. Now, this is interesting. How is Mary described? Sat at his feet and what? And heard his word. And um, the the word behind heard is a to, a listening to. Um, it's uh, uh, not one ear and out the other type, it's, but it's receiving it and taking it in as her own. And uh, but where is she? She's sitting. 
There's someone I know that gets uh, get told, you know, don't sit on the floor during Bible class. Some of you might know <laughs> who that person is. Uh, but there is something about sitting. When, uh, oftentimes when uh, parents read to their children, the children will sit on the floor around them or on the couch or whatever next to them and all. But there's, if you see a lot of pictures of someone teaching or reading, there's on the floor around them uh, that they might. I think when I was uh, in uh, Sunday school as a child and I would help out in Sunday school, the little kids would always just sit on the carpeting and the teacher would sit on a chair. There's, that, there's something about that sitting. Um, I was trying to, what some significance in the Lutheran study Bible just had uh, actually a quote from Augustine about, um, very beautiful, uh, about the waterfall comes from above and it fills the valley below. And somehow, he, that's how he, here Jesus is sitting or, and she, uh, standing or, and she's sitting on the floor and that word is flowing from him to her. So that, the image of, it's a very beautiful image. Uh, that uh, Augustine brings forth. But uh, it's a position of reception, of recognizing uh, uh, Jesus as a rabbi, uh, to sit at Jesus' feet, uh, to hear his word. Uh, It's not a position of servitude, it's a position of joy to be able to receive this word. Okay. And now we go on. Oh, and receive his word. The word there is the word logos that's, um, that John uses. The logos became flesh. And it's a very, the proper, receiving that word of God. Uh, incarn- it has an incarnational uh, aspect to it that Jesus was preaching to her. Uh, just as much as when uh, uh, a pastor catechizes, he is preaching. He's just preaching in a different way. He's Proclaiming God's word of forgiveness, life, and salvation. And so this is what, so she heard his word. Uh, and then Martha. Uh, how is Martha described? Distracted, yeah. That word doesn't appear very often. Uh, and uh, what I could, it, it's kind of a weird word. It means like pulled apart. Uh, pulled in many directions. Does that describe any people you know that there's just more things to do than they can get accomplished? Oh, none of you? Okay, I, I, wow, man. I thought there'd be some volunteers. You know, we know that feeling, you know, when you're planning an event, you're doing something, planning a trip, whatever. They, all these things happen. And she was, uh, a, a term she uses, cumbered. Um, she was just stretched to the you know thin with all the things that had to be done. Too many things, too many directions to go, and it's all but her serving with much serving, because she you know Jesus. Jesus didn't come alone. You got to remember he had an entourage, he had disciples with him, and there's also record of other women that would accompany uh, you know on this, which is very unusual, but. Uh, so when she, we're not talking about just you know slopping together a sandwich for Jesus and say okay now get ready it's a lot of people that were coming into her home uh, to be welcomed by him so she was distracted by much serving and um, notice her question or comment Lord do you not care. Kind of like an accusation. 
Now this is an accusation. You don't care. Don't you care? I'm doing all this stuff. And my sister's just sitting there listening to you, of all people. No, but anyway, uh, and she's left me. But do you not care? And I thought this was interesting. Uh, do you remember what, uh, it was in Mark's gospel, there's the stormy sea, and, this, and it's boats are rocking and uh, rolling and all that stuff. And the disciples say to Jesus, remember what they say? Do you not care? Is it of no concern to you that we are perishing? Is it no concern to you that I'm doing all this work? Okay, so uh, these are very much uh, uh, strong accusations. That word for caring, uh, the hireling doesn't care for the sheep. Remember that? It's not that, you know, because they're not their own sheep. Um, And then we have Peter who says, cast your burden on the Lord for he cares for you. So here's, okay, now that's interesting. Peter uses that. He cares for you because what did Peter say to Jesus with all the other disciples in the boat? Don't you care? He found out he does. And Peter was there with Martha and he heard that accusation, don't you care? And so he, he's going into his, uh, the epistles are their preaching, you know, to the people. And he goes, he could tell them, yeah, the Lord does care. Martha, cast your burdens on the Lord, for he cares for you. You disciples, cast your burden on the Lord, for he cares for you. And so, uh, so here's that same word that's used to say the Lord does care. And yet here she's accusing him. But isn't this always, when we struggle, don't we feel abandoned by the Lord at times? That we're all alone? I do. And I've, I've felt it more in the last few months, I think, than I've felt it in my previous 59, 59 years. So yeah, my birthday was in March. I, didn't, I was, My birthday was in lockdown, so I don't think it counted. But anyway, <laughs> all those years before, this had the struggle in the last, the, the emotional struggle uh, that's been going on uh, within me, I see my family, I see my friends, I see my community, all these things, uh, brother, neighbor against neighbor and the like. Um, and then, okay, so then she goes, don't you care, my sister has left me. And uh, that word left has to do with separation. Uh, when uh, Jesus um, is uh, speaking in the parable of the lost sheep and the shepherd left the 99 to go after the one? What does that mean? They were there, and he was out here. He, he did leave them. He, there's a separation, and she's feeling that separation that uh, she desires, that there's a separation between her and her sister in what she thought was something very important to do. And then uh, he says to her, uh, he, she says to him, Tell her to help me. Now, would your sister go to your mom and say, she'd probably, she'd probably just tell you, help me, right? <laughs> but uh, Martha's trying to use Jesus to get, because she knows, he, Martha knows that Mary is listening to Jesus. So if Jesus tells Mary to help, Mary will help. So, I mean, so she knew that Jesus had authority and all, and she says to help me. And 
that's an uh, interesting word. Uh, it's used by Paul later to talk about the Spirit helps us in our uh, weakness, and also it's used in the Greek New Testament, Greek Old Testament, to describe uh, those who were assigned to help Moses. That there's a burden that one is bearing, and the idea is that you're sharing the burden that's there. So for uh, Moses, the burden was judging the people, and there were those who were called upon to share in that. And she's asking, I got this burden, I got this big burden, and help me um, to do this. And also, likewise, the Spirit helpeth me. I have this burden, and the Spirit helps me. Because why? I cannot help myself. I'm uh, unable to. So you have this imagery that she's, it's not just merely help, but it's, uh, I, it's a help because I have this burden that I can't bear. And do we not also have that in our own lives, that we have a burden that we cannot bear, and we want the Lord to help us? And so uh, now after she makes her plea, the Lord responds to her. And uh, let's, uh, some, um, you are worried and troubled. Oh, see, Mar- um, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Uh, and the thing is, the word behind, she's just thinking a lot. It's like there's all these things on her mind, all these worldly things. These, and because all those things on her mind, what isn't going into her ears? The word of God. And so this is the problem we have. When all the troubles we face in the world, the worries that we face, they overwhelm us so that our ears are stopped. And we don't listen to the word of God, which is why it's important that we gather together to hear God's word, because our sinful flesh needs uh, to be uh, killed and a new man raised again, that we might hear him as he wants us to. And she's troubled. Um, She's confused, disturbed, agitated uh, by what's going on here. And then... The Lord continues, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. And, uh, and I, I want to, this, what's the, when it says not taken away from her, we, there's that, that word has a background, which I think is helpful, um, and once sins are taken away. So when sins are taken away, what does that mean? When sins are taken away, they're forgiven. What does that mean? They're they're gone. They're gone. They have no impact on your life. They're just gone. Um, And actually, in the in today's gospel, it's saying the stewardship will be taken away. It'll be you'll be separated from it. Uh, Also, it's used when Malchus's ear was cut off. It was separated from him. It was apart from his body. Uh, And now we have Jesus saying to Martha about Mary, this word, this good part, this good thing will not be taken away. What does that mean for you? 
this good part will not be taken away. What's the good thing that Mary was listening to? The word of God, which, remember, he was preaching, and he was talking about what? What is he? I mean, Jesus didn't go, well, let's talk about that cricket match that was going on here. Or all that. What was he? The word is in her, and she is in him. And what does that mean? Her sins are forgiveness. forgiveness. He's talking about salvation. And that's not going to be taken away. This good gift that God gives through his word, forgiveness of sins, life and salvation, will not be separated from you. In uh, Romans 8, you know, height nor depth, nothing will separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. And so in this promise, he's telling Martha, this good part will never be taken away from her. Joseph, you look like you have a question. Okay, just trying to block, not to see your dad raise his hand and all that stuff. I mean, <laughs> we're little blinders there. Okay, so here we have this uh, beautiful imagery that the Lord promises to, to Martha that this good thing will not be taken away from Mary and saying it's for her too. This good thing will not be taken away. And so and why do we gather? Because we want to hear that good part, that good portion that your sins, which are many, are forgiven you. The struggles which... And the flood that seems to overwhelm you has been defeated and has been pushed back because you are in Christ. And this is his promise uh, here to Mary, but it's also a promise to Martha that even though we are encumbered by the things of this world and the worries of life, he's given you this word which will not be taken away. Any questions on this Text. We're almost finished. Immediately preceding this, we have the, the, the Good Samaritan, mm-hmm. where if you take that account uh, without faith in Christ, mm-hmm. it can easily be twisted into a works righteous Correct. faith. That you need to be like the Good Samaritan and helping people, saving their lives, mm-hmm. and like that's why we have hospitals mm-hmm. named after the Good Samaritan. Um, not uh, maybe to rein that in, then you have this leading right into Mary and Martha, who is, I mean, Martha is worried. She, she wants to be like the Good Samaritan, helping, serving, mm-hmm. and doing. And you cannot have that apart from Jesus giving himself right. to them both. And so there is a, no, no, salvation is not by works. It still has never, it's never been by works. It's by receiving and hearing mm-hmm. the word of God and living in that. And that grace, and um, I can't help but see that. I mean, we we hear this uh, from the world, the world being Martha, saying, "Jesus, tell your tell 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 Mary to to to, to stop listening and help me save lives." Yeah. So don't 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 sit there. Don't hear the word of God. Don't receive the gifts. That's a good. And then, because we need to get there's gotta, more important things out in the world. We, we got to stop the, this virus or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or whatever it might be. Which Jesus' response is, uh, no. Right. The one thing people will not be taken. So we get there. And uh, I mean, it does. I remember some, I've heard over the years people saying, well, I can't come to church because I'm getting ready to re- have a family get together. So they, you know, they don't come to church. And like, okay. Is it, it, what? 
Yeah, maybe so. You're all frustrated with her. You know, just leave Joe to take care of the food. Uh, <laughs> and he'll just buy, go to the store and buy some wings, whatever. But, uh, the, um, but yeah, the, the image, but I don't want to, you know, the, the thing is the, that she's the encumbered by this. Her, all these things in the world are encumbering her so that she's not hearing the word. There are going to be, the world's going to encumber us. I mean, did you, did you change your children's diapers? Yeah. Wash them, bathe them, get them clean clothes. And you did it out of love. It had to be done for their sake. And I'm sure at times it's rather encumbering at times. This, the, the load that was there. Well, was the first one, I mean, probably just was over the top, I'm sure. But anyway. <laughs> but life does encumber us. And Jesus isn't saying it's not going to be there. He's just saying, this is the good part. Hear his word. And take that time. Make, you know, as a, make this the center of your life and plan things around it. Don't plan things and then make church and hearing God's word secondary. You know, this, and um, our world doesn't understand that because we have all these other things going on. Any, Susan? I can try to. It's actually a portion. Um, oh, let me go. Oh, okay. Oh, the one thing. Uh, it's it's a generic um, one, just and the one, but one is needful. I think that's a good that that and that's the need for, and the word. But what is the word we talk? This word won't be taken away from. It. The word is Jesus. He came to forgive sins, and how did he forgive sins through his death? And how is that revealed to us in his resurrection? So all of this, he is uh, the one thing needful uh, above all else. He is the one that makes gives us life and salvation. He is the one that gives us eternal life. Mary or Martha? Martha. When she said, you do not care, that was a statement of unbelief. Well, I mean, the same thing with the disciples. They were not trusting in Jesus to save them. She's not trusting in Jesus to provide for her. So, yeah, it's in, uh, I mean, we do the same thing. I mean, in our, you know, God, don't you care about me? You know, when you have a child that's dying, or a spouse that's dying, and you're alone, or 
think of our members, uh, 13 or 14 have been uh, incarcerated, separated from family and pastor. Don't you care? And we grieve. We grieve. And, and, and the thing is, but the promise comes, I do care. Cast your burden on the Lord. And he cares for you. And we think of the people, um, for those old enough, remember Russia, and you hear about the stories of the, the underground church, that people were seeking comfort together in God's word in spite of the troubles that they were dealing with in their atheistic country. Yes, but it's, but it's a matter of accusing God, yet receiving his word of forgiveness, life, and salvation. That's the only thing that, uh, over, that we, we know that he cares for us, is through his work. Well, we don't have time to sing that hymn, so we'll close with the benediction. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the uh, confession of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen. Amen.